0: Hi, I'm George, and Alex is here too. Say hi, Alex. Hi, Alex. Fantastic. Uncommon Commons is now on Patreon at patreon.com slash uncommoncommons. There are currently two tiers with plans for more in the future. Supporting us at the $1 level gets you access to all of our bonus content, including the Common Area, which uploads new episodes twice a month. For $5 a month, we will do listener shoutouts right here at the start of the episode. Now, Uncommon Commons is a passion project, so don't feel pressured to contribute, but it is greatly appreciated. For more information, go to patreon.com slash Uncommon Commons or click the link in the description. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy this episode of the Uncommon Commons.
1: Uncommon Commons is a horror anthology podcast written and recorded by George Plank and Alex Vitale. Content warnings can be found in the episode description. Today's story is Watch and Warning, written by George Plank. John, put down the gun. What are you doing with that? John? John, put down the gun. What are you doing with that? You're still listening to that? Well, yeah. Aren't you the least bit concerned? Why should I be? Because it sounded like I just shot you. John... Do you even know how to take the safety off a pistol? That's my point, Jane. Those things aren't safe at all! John, put down the gun. What are just you doing Just give with it that? a rest. You're gonna scratch the vinyl if you keep messing around with that. G- give me a minute. I-I think I'm onto something here. John? John, put down the- ah! Stop screaming and let go of my arm. It's just a power outage. The storm probably knocked it out. When did it start raining? Well, it's not really raining. Huh? It's... Wait. It's raining on the... Inside? I guess what they say is true. Neither rain, nor snow, nor sleet, nor void will stop the mail.
0: Looks like this one is for me. Larry had been on the road for about two hours now. The journey to his friend's house was more or less a straight shot on the interstate, but it didn't change the fact that Bernard's house was still over a 100 miles away. Larry wasn't going to complain, though. I mean, it's not every day that an opportunity like this rolls around. He and Bernard were close friends in college, and had shared a small apartment for a few years until Bernard's startup took off in a major way. Soon the offers started rolling in, and it was no longer viable to run a business out of a shared space. The two of them still kept in touch, mostly over social media, but occasionally, Larry would receive an invite to one of Bernard's holiday parties. The first few times, he turned down the invitation due to work-scheduling conflicts or just the fact that Bernard lived so far away, but eventually, the stars aligned and he was able to make the trek up. Thinking about the house now, Larry laid into the gas with a little bit more intent. At that particular Memorial Day barbecue, Larry could hardly believe that such a house could even exist. The weather that day had been bright and sunny with a light breeze, meaning everyone was perfectly comfortable no matter what they were wearing. According to Bernard, it was almost always like this. The altitude and unique location meant that it hardly ever rains more than a light misting. In fact, the entire time they had lived there, it hadn't stormed once. Sprawling front lawn with a sizable garage and a driveway. The house itself was over 5,000 square feet spread out across two floors. While most people were convening in the backyard near the pool... Larry stayed inside, staring at the extravagant home theater system Bernard had installed. It had been difficult at his service job to get the entire weekend off, but when Bernard called him a week ago saying that his fiancée and him would be leaving the country for a week and needed someone to look after the property, Larry called in every favor and pledged as many weekends as he could to make this happen. He had directions printed out and ready to follow, but it would be incredibly difficult to miss it. It was one of those houses that sit alone among the trees on a hill or mountainside the kind that are clearly visible from the highway. Most people couldn't imagine that anyone could possibly live there, but for one sweet, sweet weekend, it was going to be Larry. The interstate may have been a straight shot, but the road to get to the house was a little bit more circuitous. Larry drove up the hill along the singular winding road to get to the top. On one side, trees blocked his line of sight upward, and the other side, a surprisingly steep cliff face taunted him. Protected only by a very thin railing. He didn't have any room to complain, as there was only the one route there and back. But as he crested the hill and looked over the house, his excitement also peaked. He pulled up the driveway and raced out of his car, up the steps to the landing. Bernard had said the keys would be tucked away just out of sight. Lair reached behind one of the planters on the porch that held a plant with an impossible-to-pronounce name and retrieved an envelope. Inside were the keys to the front and back doors, as well as the garage and a couple of the closets, and about ten pages worth of instructions on what exactly he wanted Larry to do. Larry practically threw those on the ground in the rush to get the door open. With a speed that would rival an Olympic runner, he got the door open on his fifth try. Finally, he had free reign over the property. He could hardly contain his excitement as he ran from room to room, laying temporary claim to everything and deciding which room would be his for the rest of the weekend. After several laps in the pool, a few free throws at the basketball court, and trying on every bathrobe in the wardrobe, he settled in with a large banana split in front of the 75-inch television and became engrossed in the full cable package. After watching his third or fourth hour of a crime procedural marathon, Larry heard the home phone ringing. He grabbed the cordless off the end table. Uh, hello, Cisnack residence. Oh, so you did make it after all, Lawrence. Number one on my instruction sheet was to call my cellular as soon as you arrived. Bernard's voice cut through the receiver. Both of them sat in silence for a few moments before they both broke into laughter. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Sneezak. Please don't fire me. I really need this job. Larry's voice dripping with sarcasm. Ooh, you're on thin ice, Cribbins. Bernard laughed it off. Uh, seriously, how's the drive up? Uh, not all that bad. You need a better class of neighbor, though. Well, I'd need neighbors first, and we both know that isn't going to happen. Yeah, well, don't be surprised if I go stir-crazy from the isolation. Here I thought you were used to being alone by now. (laughs) Shut up, dude. You know I'm right. Uh, Penelope's waking up. I just called to check in. I heard there was a major storm watch in the area. Larry walked over to the windows and looked out over the backyard. A light drizzle had begun to fall over the grass. Further up the hill, some trees swayed, driven by an unseen wind. In the distance, Larry could see even darker clouds lit occasionally by sparks of lightning, rolling towards the hill. Yeah, looks like it might get pretty heavy soon. Well, just make sure that all the windows are closed and everything's put away. Yep, Uh uh-huh, okay, Uh, sure. Larry rushed to throw on a pair of flip-flops. Larry? You still there? Don't mess this up! Bernard hung up the phone. Larry rushed all through the estate, gathering up loose basketballs and pool equipment and stowing them haphazardly in the garage. Thunderclaps could be heard getting closer. He pulled the tarp over the pool and rushed inside. No sooner had he closed the back door than it started to come pouring down, thick rivets of water bounded off the windows and ground. Larry breathed a sigh of relief and sunk onto the couch. He felt his eyes grow heavy. He turned on the TV for some background noise and drifted off to sleep. He awoke a few minutes later to a loud banging coming from somewhere in the house. He sprung to his feet. His first instinct was to check the front door, but a quick glance through the peephole revealed that there was no one there. He heard the pounding again. It sounded like it was coming from upstairs. Followed the sound through the corridors all the way to Bernard's office. Loose papers were flung in every direction. Behind the desk, a swing-style window had been left ajar, and the shutters flapped in the gale, repeatedly hitting the side of the house. Larry leaned out of the window, rain pelting his face, forcing him to squint just to see. He grabbed the latch and secured the shutters back into place, firmly closing the window. Larry took a moment to pick up some of the fallen papers from the floor and place them back onto the desk. Mostly legal documents, so bogged down in jargon and technical speak that it made it difficult for Larry to parse exactly what they were saying. He was sure that Bernard, or maybe one of his lawyers, would be able to recognize them if it came to that. He put a heavy desk ornament on top of the stack and turned to leave the room. The sounds from the television were calling to him. If he strained, he could maybe hear the sounds of a news anchor telling people to seek shelter immediately. In all her years as a meteorologist, she had never seen a storm quite like this. He didn't have to strain to hear another knocking sound coming from a little further down the hall. As much as he claimed to be allergic to responsibility, he knew he had to take care of this place for the weekend. He followed the sound to one of the guest rooms. Upon entering, there was no sign that anything was amiss, other than the bathrobes he had thrown onto the floor earlier. The sound was coming from the window, which to any observer appeared to be fully closed. The curtains didn't show any sign of movement, yet the knocking persisted. It seemed the closer Larry got to the window, the slower the knocking became. When he had first heard it down the hall, it was quick and frantic, but now it had the steady cadence of a pocket watch. He reached forward to grasp the curtains, the knocking just out of time with his own heartbeat. He threw back the curtains. Nothing was there. A couple heavy drops landed on the windowpane, making a less than gentle plop. Plop plop sound. Larry had lived in his fair share of apartments before. He knew that older buildings can move and settle and shift in the wind. Big house. Lots of room noises. He pulled the curtains closed. Almost as soon as he did, there came another sound. Almost like a thudding. Still, so strangely rhythmic. He pulled back the curtain again, just in case. From the guest room, he could see the front of the house and the tops of trees that overlooked the slope of the hill. Lightning flashed, and for a moment, he could swear that he saw a shadow cast over the treetops. But as the thunder rolled and the light subsided, Larry convinced himself that he hadn't seen anything at all. Surely it was the shadow of a tree just a little further up the hill, gnarled and twisted into a bizarre knot. Now, the only lights illuminating the hill were the ones coming from the house itself. Another bolt of lightning crested in front of the house, and as the roll of thunder came in, the lights in the house went out. For the first time since he arrived, the inside of the house was completely silent. The TV was dead, so was the landline. When Larry held the cordless up to his ear, he heard no dial tone or busy signal, just the irregular tapping on the window. In a moment, that silence was ruined by a metallic screeching noise. Larry dropped the phone and ran to the window overlooking the backyard. A lightning flash revealed that the storm had torn the roof almost completely clear of the garage. Larry stood and... Larry stood there in the window, frozen in terror, not just at the full fury of the storm and the strength of the gale, but at the very real possibility that he would be held responsible for the damage. He didn't have enough in his bank account to cover these kind of repairs. Quite frankly, he didn't have enough to buy groceries when he got back to his apartment. As he spiraled further and further into a depressive state, wind whipped at the building. It whistled in each crack and crevice. The howling of the wind grew stronger and stronger. In an instant, it sounded as if every shutter on the building became undone, and they rattled in mocking protest. The beams and rafters quaked and quivered against the immense strength. Not satisfied with the garage, it seemed, the storm had set its sights on the house itself. The rain drilled down against the walls, and each board groaned until it sounded like the house might be lifted off at any moment. And suddenly, it stopped. The clouds parted allowing beams of sunlight to illuminate the wooded areas. Larry stepped out of the house into the backyard. He strained to look around as the sun flooded his vision. He stared at the garage for a considerable amount of time. The sheet metal roof had been peeled back like the top of a sardine can. He hoped there were no convertibles inside the garage during the storm. A couple of trees from the woods had fallen over into the property line, and some of the topmost branches tore through the tarp and now rested in the pool. Those were just a couple of many fallen trees that now revealed a swath of destruction that led directly to the house. A shadow fell over where Larry stood. He looked up, assuming that a new cloud was about to open up at any moment, but there was scarcely a cloud in the sky. The monster wrapped its long claws around Larry and shoveled him into its distended jaw before shambling back to its den in the hollow mountain. The beast wasn't used to so much action in a single afternoon, but now that the thunder had died down, it would have no trouble going back to sleep. At least... until the next storm.
1: do I'm surprised the match stayed lit as long as it did.
0: It didn't. I just didn't want to interrupt the flow of the narrative.
1: Oh, fair. Uh, did I get anything? Uh, Yeah, let me check. Well, are you going to give it to me, or just stand there like an idiot? Um... yeah. Why is it wet? Oh. Jane, is... is that...? It certainly looks like blood, John. Oh good, I was just checking. Uncommon commons is a podcast it was written and recorded by george plank and alex vitale our theme song was composed by charles adam robinson and our logo design by sam vitale our social media manager is rebecca tuxbury follow us at un underscore on twitter uncommon underscore commons on instagram or email us at zero null street at gmail.com rate and review us wherever you listen to your podcasts stay And remember, nothing is real.